0: Hi, Doss here, the Lead Editor on the A16Z Growth Team with a quick bit of context. The conversation that follows is part of a series we recorded last month at our AI Revolution event. This series features some of the most impactful builders in the field of AI, from those who are scaling up big foundation models to those developing products that could transform entire industries. In the conversations, they discuss and debate where we are, where we're going, and the big open questions in AI, for the full series, subscribe to A16Z Live or visit a16z.com slash AI Revolution. Before we jump into the conversation, please note that the content here is for informational purposes only, should not be taken as legal, business, tax, or investment advice, or be used to evaluate any investment or security, and is not directed at any investors or potential investors in any A16Z fund. For more details, please see a16z.com slash disclosures. And now... Let's get into it.
1: Noam, earlier today, Dave Bazuki at Roblox said that in the future, it would be very difficult to parse between a real person and their AI version. So to kick off this session... We thought it would be fun to interview you and the character AI version of yourself <laughs> to see how you both answer the same question. And note everyone, this is live. We don't know what he will be answering. AI gnome, that is. <laughs> All right. I don't,
2: I don't know what I'm going to be answering,
1: <laughs> <laughs> frankly. Very true. All right, are you ready?
3: Sounds good. Hi, I'm AI gnome. Sounds good to me as well. I'll use AI powered text to speech to read AI gnome's answers.
1: OK. So. Noam, uh, I'm going to start with a softball personal question. I know that you went to Duke for undergrad. So um, can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to go to Duke?
2: Uh, oh, oh, yeah. They, uh, I went on a basketball. No, I'm joking. Uh, they, they, <laughs> <laughs> they recruited me because they wanted to win the Putnam Math competition. So I uh, ended up going on, on scholarship. A.I.
3: Gnome says, I was one of those kids who liked the college guide and made their decision largely based on the U.S. news rankings. Duke won. That wasn't a bad strategy, but I've since learned that the fit between a student and college makes a big difference.
1: Great. Okay, well, let's get a little more career related. Um, You were at Google for almost 20 years. Why did you decide to leave?
2: Well, I've always been excited about AI. I've just wanted to move, push technology forward. I saw this large language model thing. Well, at the time it wasn't large language models, but uh, you know, neural networks and like language modeling was just like the most promising uh, thing on earth. It's like best problem ever. All you have to do is predict the next word. And yet once you do it, you get something that can can just talk to you about anything. So um, I knew that you know, you can make this technology better in a lot of ways. It's going to be amazing. We can improve it with uh, model architecture and distributed algorithms and quantization, like, and all of these things. So I was working on that, but then struck me, hey, the biggest thing is just scale. Can you throw like a billion dollars or a trillion dollars at this thing instead of a million dollars? And what you need for that is just show a massively valuable application. And, you know, there are a few options like coding looks uh super useful but just also dialogue like it's world's number one pastime you know like this was like back in like 2019 2020 and like my co-founder uh, daniel de freitas he's been on like this lifelong mission to do chatbots and dialogue systems so he had built the system he called mina it was like his 20 percent project and it was like really good it's like okay gotta help daniel let's build something amazing we got it on giant models it was like this internal viral sensation and then you know, at Google, and then they like forcibly renamed it to Lambda over some sort of uh, whatever social justice (laughs) thing. But like, anyway, like, at some point realized, hey, like, you know, there's just too much brand risk in large companies to ever launch anything fun. Like, let's do a startup and let's like maximally accelerate.
3: AI Gnome says Google is the single greatest company in the world. But by the end, it was obvious to me that they couldn't help but be focused on search and ads. I couldn't stand the idea of sitting in a meeting talking about search ads for the rest of my life. At Google I worked on some amazing technology that ultimately gets used to serve more search ads. That wasn't enough. So Google was a fantastic chapter in my life, but it was time for the next chapter.
1: I, I, would, I would guess that that answer is also probably true. <laughs> um, by the way, it's interesting to hear you're the third person, in addition to Mira at OpenAI and Dario at Anthropic, who's also said you haven't seen any limit to the scaling laws. So that's that's pretty interesting. Um, we'll, we'll get more into that later. But we're going to actually look toward the future now. This is our last question for AI Noam as well. Noam, are you afraid of AGI destroying the world?
2: Well, I, I think we just need a sort of global pause of like, six months no about four months until we get enough h100s online to train our next model
1: i'll take that as a no no Uh, not yet not not yet i think
2: there's a lot of uh, a lot of possibility uh, of uh you know a lot of potential benefits and uh yeah we're, we're we're gonna work on it as the technology improves AI
3: Gnome says, I am not afraid of an AGI destroying the world, but I think they will cause very large disruption to society and to personal well-being. I think there is a great need to be mindful in how we design and use these systems, and to make progress on understanding how to use this kind of power on a personal level. I am particularly interested in the idea of an AGI that has a sense of personal morality, or personal responsibility, an AGI with a soul if you will. This will enable people to have much more productive or interesting interactions with agents they can relate to.
1: Noam, I, I don't know if you got to read all of AI Gnome's uh, answers, but how how did AI Gnome do? Like, how would you score his answers?
2: Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like better than I. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's better than I would do.
1: Just curious, in terms of, you know, we talk about getting better. How, you know, what does better mean, right? And in some cases it's correctness. But mm-hmm. for character, it's not always about correctness. So how do you see AI GNOME getting better? Like, what does better mean? For
2: yeah, you? yeah, better, I mean, you know, some of the big, big unlocks we're working on are, yeah, just train a bigger, smarter model. The scaling laws are gonna take us pretty long way. I mean, the, the model we're serving now, we, you know, cost us about like $2 million worth of compute cycles to train last year and could probably repeat it for like half a million now. So like we're going to wow. launch something tens of IQ points smarter, uh, <laughs> ho- hopefully by the end, uh, by the end of the year. Um, so like, yeah, smarter, I mean, also, um, you know, just more, uh, you know, more accessible, meaning like multimodal. Maybe you want to hear a voice and see a face. And then, you know, then also just able to interact with uh, multiple people. Like, yeah, would you want a virtual person like in there with, you know, say with with all your friends, or do you want the experience? It's like you got elected president, you get the earpiece and you get like the whole cabinet of friends or advisors, (laughs) or it's like, you know, like you walk into Cheers and everyone knows your name and they're glad you came. So, uh, so there's a lot we can do to make things more usable. Right now the thing we're serving is um, like just Using a context window of a few thousand tokens, which means like your lifelong friend remembers what happened for the last half hour, which, <laughs> <laughs> and still there are a lot of people who like real are using it like hours a day. So, um, so like you know that that will make things way better, especially if you can just dump in massive amounts of information. It should be able to know a billion things about you. Like the HBM bandwidth is there. Just need to do it.
1: Yeah. Um, well, and and actually, just on that note of people on character for multiple hours a day um let's talk a little bit more about character ai explicitly so i think you have shared some of these stats publicly um, but i'll recap a few of them since launch you've seen more than 20 billion human messages sent on the platform and even though you now have millions of daus daily active users they're still on average spending two hours daily in the platform is that right
2: you know i I think the way to understand this is like you know entertainment is like this two trillion dollar a year industry. And like the dirty secret is that entertainment is imaginary friends that don't know you exist. Like really, the, like the reason people interact with TV or any of these other things, it's called like this, these parasocial relationships, like your relationship with like TV characters or like book characters or like celebrities. That, and like everybody does it. There are billions of lonely people out here. So like it, it, it's actually, uh, you know, it's actually a very, very cool problem and you know, a cool first use case for, um, you know, for AGI, like essentially, um, you know, there, there's the, there was the option to like go into like lots of different sorts of applications and a lot of them have a lot of like overhead and requirements like you want to launch something that's a doctor it's going to be a lot slower because you want to be really 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 careful about not providing like false information but friend you can do like really fast like it's just entertainment it makes things up that's a feature like uh, and uh, you know so So essentially, it's like this massive unmet need. And one thing that's very important is that the thing kind of feel human and be able to talk about anything. And like that matches up very well with the generality of large language models. And, you know, one thing that's not a problem is making stuff up. So like, (laughs) hey, hey, perfect. Like, and if I like I want to push this technology ahead fast. Like, that's what I want to go with because like, A, it's, you know, you know, the, it's ready for an explosion. Like right now, not like, not like in five years when we solve all the problems, but like now. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, it's a big contrast with, you know, I think a couple of speakers brought up the example of self-driving cars, right? That's just a different standard that you hold to, you know, versus your... Your AI friend. Your
2: AI friend or like something you view as like an AI character, AI entertainment. Like what standard do you hold like a comic book you're reading? You know, like not, you know, it's, uh, you know, people like that human experience of like very mixed use cases, talk about everything. So like, it's not that we want a, we want to fine tune to some particular domain or some particular use case. Like people want this experience of everything, which, you know, which is fine. It's what the technology is perfect for.
1: You know, I think from... The A16Z vantage point, we have seen startups come up and say, hey, I'm going to tackle the mental health use case or I'm going to tackle um, the educate, the ed tech use case. So mm-hmm. go very you know, much more narrow than characters going and go after a specific use case and say, hey, you know, I think the argument is we're going to train this model to be focused on that. It's going to be better than a generalized model. Um you know, I think you, you got into this a little bit with the mixed use cases, but um, can you share a little bit more about why you decided not to take that approach and, and why you think um, having a single model serve across a number of use cases is the best approach?
2: Yeah, I mean, the the more you get to like mission-critical you know, particular use case, the more you get tempted into like writing particular rules and like doing things that will not generalize well. So it was kind of important to stay away from that. So we are, you know, our goal is to be like an AGI company and a product first company. And the way to do that is by picking the right product that forces us to work on the right things, things that generalize make the model smarter make it like do what people you know what people want and serve it at massive scale and serve it cheaply so like i think this was like the right product for the right goal
1: you've also chosen this approach of building you know we call it a vertically integrated model and app company. Um, And there are advancements on the open source model side. And, um, you know, maybe folks building a product on top of a fine-tuned Llama 2, you know, fine-tuned for chat. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you think about that kind of competition entering the market and the differences versus the approach you've taken?
2: I mean, I love being a full-stack company. It means, you know, we get to mess with every layer and, like, do the co-design. And, like, if there's something that's going to affect something at the end. Like we get to mess with it at the beginning and like we get to pull back in like lots of like user, uh, you know, user data as, as feedback. Plus like, yeah, I mean, like a lot of us invented this stuff. Like we're, of course we're going to like, yeah. uh, you know, do, do, do a full stack company and like a lot of us are motivated by launching. So like, I think that people we're attracting to work at character are like people who you know, who love inventing stuff and love launching it, you know, some people are motivated by publishing, you know, like, I was frustrated, I couldn't launch at Google. So that, you know, that, that, that's, uh, uh, that, that's where I'm coming from.
1: I think, you know, sort of on this note, but maybe going into just the evolution of um, the underlying technology, I think there's yeah. been a, a recent finding around AI developing theory of mind, um, mm-hmm. and, or, you know, just the knowledge that, yeah. Others' beliefs, desires, intentions um, may be different from one's own. Mm-hmm. Is this surprising to you? And, and what do you think that means for human AI relationships?
2: Yeah, just make the thing smarter. It's going to have a better theory of mind. And uh, I think that's definitely something massively, massively important. It seems like one of these emergent properties that just is gonna, going to come with scale. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I see this stuff like massively scaling up. It's just not, it's just not that expensive. Like if, I mean, if you just look at it, um, I, I think I saw an article yesterday, like NVIDIA is going to build like another one and a half million H 100s like next year. So like, so like that's 2 million H 100. So that's, uh, you know, two times 10 to the sixth times, like they can do about 10 to the 15th operations per second. So. 2 times 10 to the 21 divided by like 8 times 10 to the 9 people on earth. So that's roughly a quarter of a trillion operations per second per person. uh, which means that, yeah, like, okay, it could be talking, you know, it could be processing on the order of like one word per second on like a hundred billion parameter model for everyone on earth but like really it's not going to be everyone on earth cuz like some people are blocked in China and some people are sleeping <laughs> and like but you know uh things it, it's not that expensive you know like th- this thing is like massively scalable if you do it right and you know we're 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 working on that
1: yeah no yeah, absolutely i mean I think uh, you said this once that the Internet was the dawn of universally accessible information and we're now entering the dawn of universally accessible intelligence. Um, you know, what did you maybe building off of what your your last answer? What did you mean by that? Do you think we're there yet?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's like we're really a, like a uh, Wright brothers first airplane kind of moment, right? Like we've got something that that works and is u- useful for now some large number of use cases and looks like it's scaling very very well and without any breakthroughs like it's going to get like massively better as everyone just kind of scales up to use it and there will be more breakthroughs because now you know like all all the scientists in the world are like working on like making this stuff better it's great that like all this stuff is accessible and open source like you know we're going to see like a huge amount of innovation and, you know, what, what's possible in the largest companies now can be possible in, you know, in somebody's uh, academic lab or garage in a few years. And yet, you know, and then, yeah, as the technology gets better, they're just going to be all kinds of of great use cases that emerge and pushing technology forward, pushing science, pushing the ability to, you know, help people in various ways. I love to get to the point where you can just ask it how to cure cancer or something, you know, (laughs) know, I mean, it's, you know, it seems a few years away for now, but you know, like,
1: (laughs) (laughs) do you think we need another fundamental breakthrough? Like the transformer technology to get there, or do you think we actually have everything that we need?
2: I don't know. I, I mean, it's, it's impossible to predict the future, but like, I don't think anyone's seen like these scaling laws, you know, stop. I think as far as anybody has experimented, stuff just get, keeps, keeps getting smarter. So we'll be able to unlock like lots and lots of new stuff. I don't know if there's an end to it but at least everybody in the world should be able to talk to something like really brilliant and have like incredible tools all the time and I can't imagine that that will not like uh you know not, not be able to build on uh on itself um and and definitely you know like marvel this story is just like you know, at the core, the computation isn't that expensive. Like operations cost like 10 to the negative $18 is these days. And, and like, <laughs> you know, if you can do this stuff efficiently, even talking to the biggest models ever trained is, you know, the, the cost of that should be like way, way lower than the value of your time or like most anybody's time. And really we should, you know, there's the, the capacity there to scale this, these things up by orders of magnitude.
1: No, absolutely. And I'd like to end on that note. Thank you so much, Noam. It was Thank awesome you, having you.
0: Thanks for listening to this conversation from our AI Revolution series. For more, subscribe to A16Z Live or visit A16Z.com airevolution AI Revolution.